throughout the whole thing. Slightly depressed hand grenade. You're listening to the social hand grenade Ladies and gentlemen, welcome uh, to the Social Hand Grenade podcast. Uh, boo! <laughs> boo! I always thought that would be a shit sound effect, but I should... Mate, if you see more, if you just put the mic to your mouth and go... And that is now forever the sound effect that I'll be using uh, throughout the whole thing. Slightly depressed hand grenade. Seymour Mace. Wicked. Already it started and it's brilliant. I feel in this, I don't really need to work so much, but this is going to be great. Um, Social Hand Grenade Podcast with Seymour Mace. Um, now, uh, rate and review us on iTunes, Facebook, the Social Hand Grenade Podcast with Joseph Wilson, Twitter at SHGP Podcast, SHG Podcast, there you go, and Joseph Wilson Comedian at gmail.com and Joseph Wilson Comedian.com. All right, I get it. It's right, been, yeah, it's just, right. Just, letter, just, just in the canal, in it. Yeah. Like, there's just so much fucking yeah. horseshit. Do no one messages project, me. Mentally projected like this. Here with uh, Seymour Mays. Thanks for being genuinely Seymour. This has been very exciting. So uh, um, through a fuck off of my with, uh, my own uh, early this Seymour. year. Yeah. Uh, um, January. Yeah, in it. Like, and uh, sorry, that was a social angle moment and. Right. I've yeah, sorry. Like, Basically, sorry, I, I have to. I'll say it again because I've said it on the podcast because I right. fucked up. Right. Right. I, you turn up mine, and I my alarm clock didn't go, and you and I was asleep while you're still waiting. My guest for my podcast is outside the door, going, "The fuck's going on?" So yeah, never mind. Never mind. We are here now. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was great day. Yeah, I've got to spend the rest of the day by myself. Sorry. Once again, sorry, and you have no idea how. That's one of the things why I still, even to this day, go. Yeah. Genuinely, I it does. Oh, yeah. fucking what a twat! But that was because. Uh, but the dare I saw. Um, so let's start. Uh, I've given you <laughs> over the uh, years and yeah. all the rest. However, I went to see your um, niche as fuck. Uh, Soho show which you took mm. around to Edinburgh and then it was nominated for Foster's Comedy Award and uh, yeah it wasn't Foster's then was it was it what, it was, what was it what is it this time it's always changed it last minute this year but it wasn't last year last year it was uh, oh what was it no what was it yeah, it was Foster's. Yeah, it was right. Foster's. Yeah, 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 it was Foster's. I yeah. mean, it keeps changing because it, it was, was Foster's last year and this year it's last minute. Because it was, it was last. It's called last minute. This year it was last minute. It was sponsored by lastminute.com. Right. Okay. So it's it's ba- it's called the Edinburgh Comedy Award, isn't it? Yeah. But because it was sponsored by Perrier for as long as it was, it was called the Perrier Award. And, and then, then it Foster's or e- whoever no, somebody else came e- in, and then somebody else came something in, and. Then, and Fosters came in, so it just keeps fucking changing. This keeps changing now. It's so you won an award which cost them a hundred quid to make. Not taking it. Oh no, you were nominated. 
You're nom- yeah, sorry, you were nominated. nominated. Didn't win. Didn't but win. you still get a little award to get like a miniature version for getting nominated. Do you still have that? No, my mum my mum oh, got it. Oh, she gave all my awards to my mum. Oh bless. Why would I want them? Oh. Cart cart them around. You and and I saw that show and I've I've known your work in the past, but I saw that show niche as fuck. And it really is like you properly improvising, fucking around. I mean, I remember I was in Stitches. Mm. Uh, because it's just just fucking mad, and it's just so, and you really the majority of it, and you've done other shows where you are improvising. Uh, yeah, there's that element of it's just a build a structure and then kind of play around around that and let your uh, let your natural comedy or bitterness or whatever come out <laughs> right. without thinking about it too much. If you've got like a structure of this happens, that happens, that happens. It basically works like short bit, long bit, short bit, long bit. Yeah. Although people read more into it than that. <laughs> really? Well, that's fine, in it? But then the theme is me, in it? I kind of gave up on themes a few years ago. When you start, you think you have to have a theme. So I did a show about superheroes. I did a show about the Bible. Um, I did a show about depression. Then the, 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 the theme in all my shows is me. So right. I might as well just do that. The theme is me. So do you feel um, more comfortable doing this new, just fucking around? Well, I enjoy it. And, you know, some people like it and some people don't. And some people have a problem with it because it's not, you know, really deep and it doesn't tell you anything. And But as long as it's funny in it, that's what I always thought. Yeah, that should be the point. There yeah. is that whole thing with Edinburgh. But I think it is becoming less than that because, you know, like everyone's done the same. How many shows about identity? You know what yeah. I mean? There's only in the human spectrum in the Western world, mm. which comics, you know, we live in. You know, no one's doing a sh- sh- There's not so many comics doing, oh, growing up in a war-torn world. Yeah. I mean, you're from yeah. the North East, so it could be the same as, well. he, as he jests with his accent. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of my place, uh-huh. Joseph. Get the fuck. Well, I wasn't born there. I was born in York, but, you know. Ah, oh, you're a Yorkshireman. But then, so you, so let's go through this, talking about where you're from. You were you grew up in South Africa. No, I was I I, I was I lived in South Africa for about three years. Because your dad was a gold mine, gold he, miner. He did work in a gold mine in South Africa. Yeah. Okay. So, so what what age were you in South Africa? From when I was about, um, I can't remember. Well, obviously I can't remember. From when I was about six months old till when I was about three, something like that, two or three years. Oh, right. Did was that, that you literally? It was in 1970. I was born in 1969. Mm. And you could go, you could emigrate back in 1970. South Africa and Australia were both looking for people. So you could emigrate for a tenner. The government would pay the rest. Tenner? So you could emigrate for a tenner. That's, you got a lot of them called £10 poms, the people who went to Australia. Oh, really? But my family chose to work go South Africa. Why? What was the... I what? don't know. I think it was because it was closer. <laughs> so it's only half. <laughs> and we got a cruise there. We didn't fly there. We got a cruise. Oh, really? we got a boat there. It took about two weeks, I think. Fuck. Um, I mean, back. has that... And I, do, I don't know. I, I, I would imagine it's because the job mm. prospect was better. Uh, I don't know. But, um, yeah, my dad went and worked in gold mines here. And uh, I think they just got homesick after about two or three years and decided to come back. So they went from the heat and racism to the northeast. No, well, they moved back to the Midlands. Uh, 
I think briefly they moved back to Bognor Regis. My dad's from down south. I was from down south, like Bognor Regis way. Um, so I think when they came back from South Africa, they, they, they went back to Bognor briefly, then they moved to Bedworth, which is right next to Coventry, which is the Midlands. So I lived there up until 1979, so up until I was about nine or ten, and then moved to Newcastle. Well, I moved to Jarrow, which is where my mum's from, which is right next to Newcastle. So, like, moving around... So I lived in Jarrow from about 1979 up until I moved out of home. So, moving around, like, that's a bit of a movement as a kid. Yeah. Has that kind of, like... Because I don't come from... I've always wondered, I don't come from those... That family that moved around. Mm. I mean, you know, there's all these, these people, some people, professionals or whatever... They experts, they say, well, you know, it's bad for the development of a child. Like, for example, they say, oh, they used to say years ago, you shouldn't, you know, teach your kid two languages because it will spoil their brain. And because I'm not, it's all relative, isn't it? It's all rubbish, really. It just depends on all that's bullshit, isn't it? Because all that really matters is that you get love and support from your parents, whoever they may be, or, you know, whoever the people who are bringing you up are, and all the rest of it's. Bullshit, isn't it? Because you might travel mm. around all over the place and have a brilliant life. Equally, you might stay in one place all the time and be fucking fiddled about with by your uncle, so you have a shit life. <laughs> it's not. It, it, it's not yeah. about. Well, everything. I've moved life. around a lot, and I think it's great. And I've, I think it makes it easier for you to do when you're older. I've I've lived in loads of different places. No way. And, well, just I uh, moved to Newcastle, then I moved to Manchester. I lived in Manchester for ten years. Um, I've lived in London on various occasions. I lived in, um, I lived in Portugal for five months. I lived in uh, Japan for like ten months. Yes, um, because just all through work and that. And but it's easy to do and it's great to do. And now, perfectly once again, it's like you've read my note, my notes. Mm. Talking about Japan, you've yeah. um, actually before getting to Japan because I'm sure you know why I'm going to ask you about Japan. I would like to know why in. I'm a nosy fucker. Why are you in Portugal? Well, I was. I used to work for a street theatre company called the Natural Theatre Company, um, who are based in Bath. And um, I did street theatre with them all through my twenties. And in 1998, we got a five-month contract doing um, Expo World Expo '98, which was in Lisbon. So we lived in Lisbon for five months. Well, I did, uh, and the rest of the team kind of changed and. Oh, How come you stayed on and they changed? Because uh, I had no to do. I took a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> oh, right, and, uh, really? This you was like before that? I was a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So uh, what, how old were you? So just um, time, like, 20s? Yeah, yeah. I would have been about 28, 27, 28. So you were in your late 20s. You, yeah. You had, no, you, know, you had no reason to go back to the UK. You know, you had no, like, family, mortgage. Well, the, you know the, what I mean? the contract was, like, five months. But, yeah, I didn't have any ties or anything. So I went, I was happy to stay there for the whole five months. And then I think there was two other, there was a team of, I think it was six people. So there was me and then five people. And then those five, five people fucked off halfway through and then another five people came out. So it was just two teams, but I just stayed. Um, so it, you got into, great. because you got, and then you went to Japan, as you mentioned, mm. where you lived there. Because well, I went was... to Japan earlier. I went to Japan before then. Oh, right. Because it was all part of clowning. Well, when I, the first time I went to Japan, um, I was working for this same street theatre company and we were working in an amusement park in Tokyo and the dressing room next to us was loads of Japanese clowns 
and we became really good mates with them. And then when I stopped working, when our contract finished doing the street theatre, they said to me, you should come back and work as a clown with us. So I came back home and spent a couple of months learning how to juggle and learn how to do balloon animals and things like that. <laughs> All the essentials. <laughs> and then I uh, went back over and worked as a clown with them. So w- tell me, because I don't know about clowning. So mm. teach me the world of entertainment in terms of the clowning. Like, How does one get into it how does what are the rules what are the regulations well there's various things isn't it and i think a lot of it's um uh, a lot of it doesn't really apply but there are traditions in clowning but obviously you don't have to follow those traditions um and and it's different in this country than it is in America than it is in Japan. And in Japan, I was working kind of American clowns because they'd learned in Clown College Japan, which is um, a, a branch of Clown College America, which are these massive like universities for clowns in America where you just go and learn clowning nonstop. Yeah. And uh, we don't really have anything as as big as that in this country, although we have a, a couple of clown uh, kind of circus skill schools and that. Um, uh, so it's just like, I mean, it for me, it just comes down to the character. It comes down to character in terms of clowning. It's all about your character. It doesn't matter. All this stuff about, you know, making blue animals and being able to juggle and all that. None of that matters. It's all about your character. It's clowns is a character and a physicality uh, that goes with that character. Um, and then everything else kind of comes from that. So the, what the was way you... you are, the way you behave, the, the, yeah. your humour. Um, and uh, that's why kinda, you, you don't really need to be able to juggle or anything like that. Jugglers juggle. Clowns <laughs> Clown. are funny. As long as you're funny, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, and that all comes from your character. And, that, and, and, and uh, clowns have kind of been sanitised a little bit in this country. They've been a bit westernised and... There's just like loads of fat old blokes handing out balloons in a park. That's not a clown. That's just a, a paedophile. A paedophile, you know, on a <laughs> jolly eye. But that's, there's a lot of that. Is there's difference between being dressed as a clown and being a clown. And being dressed as a clown doesn't make you a clown. There's a there's a lot more to it than that. So like, what um, was your? That's really fascinating. Um, like because with stand up, you know, all stand ups have a kind of character persona. You know, some are more stretched yeah. than them as a person off stage or some are literally the person you know and there's no difference from them on yeah. stage off stage but like as a how, how do you have to like sit down and say okay what do i want as a clown like who, who am i like does it really get like, like what was your name first of all well my name was pj which was uh, a <laughs> that's an irish name. builder <laughs> you get your name it's pinky jr it was because oh. one of the clowns who taught me was called pinky and then they give you your name, the other clowns give you your name. Really? Well, that's one tradition, but it's, you know, like I said, there's many different traditions, so I'm sure other people... So they gave you PJ? So they gave me Pinky Jr., which Pinky is PJ. Pinky Jr., yeah. Okay. And then what was your, what was your method? What was your... Well, I was an August clown. What? Well, in the history of, in this type of clown, there's three kinds of, there's three kinds of clowns. There's white-faced clowns. Which are the ones with all white face? A lot of the times they wear, wear like a pointy hat. Um, the, the stereotypical um, clown. 
No, kind of, yeah, all white face. Looks a bit more like a mime than a clown, but that's that kind oh, of clown right. with yeah, a pointy yeah. hat with uh-huh. a bobbles on it. So he plays an instrument. The white face tends to be um, in charge, tends to be a bit more serious and sensible, a uh, bit more up themselves. Um, and then the August clown is what I was, which is what you would imagine if you said a clown with a kind of white, smiley mouth and the white eyes ah. um and our goose clowns are much more that kind of wicked mischievous child um that's their character um so they kind of make fun and, and pull down pants yeah that kind of thing oh, uh, right. just silly okay. and daft and why up, goose? Up, up for a laugh august oh august 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 like a-u-g-u-s-t-e I think. well i'm dyslexic Auguste. so i'm just gonna miss that one but uh, like, what does that mean? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 imagine, I think it comes from, it, it kind of all stems from Commedia dell'arte. Yeah, and, I was thinking you know, that. And, um, and that's where a lot of these clown characters kind of develop from. And then there's the, the third kind is like the character clown, which is um, when you see a clown that looks a bit Charlie Chaplin-y, like the makeup will suggest kind yeah. of a, a unshaven, a bit of stubble on the chin. And they'll be they'll probably be a bit miserable looking. Right. Um and dressed in the kind of Charlie Chaplin esque, trampy looking clothes. That's a character clown. So, so like So they're t- your three main kinds that and I was uh, most bit like August. And then you might you tend to get a white face, you get somebody who's a bit up themselves and wants to be a bit more specialised in kind of skill sets and things like that. Are you given the ca- you're given the names, but are you given the characters? Well, in 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 terms of tr- traditionally, those three characters behave, you know, along those kinds of lines. But yeah. beyond that, you do what do whatever you want. So, what was your so you you named PJ mate called Pineapple, a clown called Pineapple, yeah. Japanese clown who hated children. That was part of his character. He hated children. He used to run away from them. Um, he used to try and hide from them. He used to go to sleep on a bench, and um, they'd come up and he'd kind of try and shoo them away. But the fact that he hated them made them love him even more yeah. and chase him around and follow him. So that was how it worked. I um, mean, what was so? What was your so? Your PJ, your a a goose, August, yeah. August clown, right? So you got the makeup. You, yeah. Here we go. What was the act? Well, we <laughs> was were just, it this? Uh, just a Geordie act. We were working in. Uh, well, I didn't speak actually because I was in Japan, so there's not much point. Um, we were in uh, were in an amusement park in Tokyo, so it was just kind of interaction with the crowd and being stupid and falling over and uh, being funny. We did a clown show once a week. Did like a clown show on stage to an audience, and I always remember dancing to uh, uh, the Twist by Chubby Chuck and the Fat Boys. <laughs> Uh, we did this, used to do this dance where I was on stilts at the back. I can't remember much about it, but it was. So you just like in your tour, and he's just doing this, like yeah. kind of, was it laugh? Like, or was it like stand up where sometimes it's like, okay, it's a job sometimes. It's, that was mm. great fun because I didn't do it for that long. So I was, you know, I only did it for about a year. Um, like I did about, uh, I did a few months in Japan and then I came back here and then I did a few bits and pieces here, a few gigs, but there wasn't that much call for it. There wasn't that many players to do it unless I wanted to kind of go into being a children's entertainer, which I didn't right. really want to do. 
Why is that? Just shit I'm just money? I'm just not into going around people's houses for <laughs> shit money and, uh, you know, being put in charge of all their horrible children for the day. Yeah, Love you're that. basically a babysitter with yeah, a bake yeah, up yeah. face. Which is great if that's what you're into, but yeah. I wasn't into that. And I think it's difficult as well, once you get known for that, it's difficult to then have that kind of double life of being a, you know, a, an, an adult entertainer, not an adult entertainer, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a stand-up or whatever as well. So, uh, yeah, just... I did the clowning for a bit over here and then just knocked it on the head, so I never got bored of it. Um, on the theme of uh, the clown mm. thing, I've been researching for kind of... Because I always... It's social hand grenade podcast, and, you know, like, I I looked for an embarrassing kind of story regarding clowns. Yeah. So this is one I uh, took from the internet. Um, and... Uh, so this is uh, the Social Hand Grenade Worldwide International Global Segment. Right. Exclusive world words, 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 right? So this is a, some mad fucking story regarding clowns. And it's because it, it get, I want to talk about this why clowning got into the sinister horror, like as, as I would know it. You know, when I think clowns, I go, oh, jeez. So. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So here, here's the story and see if this makes sense. So this is from a person, it's Fear of Clowns, it's called. I was renting a house with four other guys, one of which didn't pay rent and we all paid for his extra share. Why? Because he found the place. Because the rent was only 350 for each of us and I got three months after. Everyone moved in, so I didn't care. Alright, okay. The problem, this guy, he didn't work and would steal all our food and fly into absolute rages about nothing. One example was his rages. We had our girlfriends over and he wanted to rent a movie. Halfway through the film he came downstairs and announced to everyone that he was having a date and he wanted to help and he wanted someone to shave his neck right <laughs> he so oh i can imagine he just wants the neck shaved the beard's fine just the neck because i don't know why there's this is would once my mate asked me it's that kind of thing i i i know i could never be gay reason for it's just guys gross me out no, I couldn't, I couldn't shave someone's back. In the past, like, my mates, I'll put some suntan lotion on my back. I ain't mm. doing that. Dude, you're getting skin cancer. I, it's just, you know, right. it's all right. Okay, Fair that was enough. a perfect sound effect. Do you want your neck shaved? <laughs> it's disgusting. It's just a thing, isn't it? So, um, and then he went, so we want to, so in the middle of the movie, no one answered, and he screamed, what's wrong with you? I said, can you keep it down when watching a movie? And he did what any normal person would do. He went into the kitchen, started breaking dishes. He worked out a lot and he was on steroids. Right, obviously. So, and then uh, he would fly into rages and then he would explode saying, you're going to hack them to bits. Right? Right. Just this, obviously this guy was fucking mental. I'm still waiting for the clown to come in. Right. And then this guy started buying guns. Right. And they didn't know why. So everyone was shaking themselves in his house. So why didn't they, uh, these, all these idiots move out of the house? <laughs> oh, because it was cheap rent. It was 350 Oh, right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because oh, I've lived with someone who... Some yeah, people... I'd share with Hitler story. if it was cheap enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the gas bill's high. Oh, that's such an old joke, yeah, isn't it? I stink. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, and... Uh, I lived with this woman and she was so mad she kicked me once. 
Like then she's she's screaming at me. I was like, so why are you screaming? She mm. genuinely kicked me. I'm like, and then she called the police on me. Right. And I'm there like having my yeah. cereal going, you're fucking mental, love. I live Quit. alone and I still hate me, flat me. <laughs> yeah. All of us got together and decided it wasn't safe for the person in this state to have guns. We talked about it and he said he'd all feel better if we got rid of the guns and put them in storage. He said, fuck no, stormed off. We didn't see it from a couple of days. So then he took the guns, took them to a, like a gun shop and he said to the guy, find a way to disable these, I'll pay whatever. So he took out the firing pins. Then... Uh, got back and then he asked this guy he's like can I have my uh, deposit back because he was going to leave because this guy's fucking mad and then he was like no I, I paid it for the, my new hard drive right mm -hmm. and that was when I decided I was going to make a, his life hell until I moved out here we go Right. I knew he had a very deep and real fear of clowns I took a small boombox and finding a recording of creepy music I put the box on a cassette so it'd always repeat every 15 minutes and I put it on top of his window on the roof and it'd always play. He generally came out, came out one time, freaked out, he said, we've heard clown music. He said it only happened every so often with a straight face. We all denied it, <laughs> said, you're high or drunk, what's mm. going on? He went mental and he's, he started going crazy and crazy and crazier with everyone having a straight face. In the middle of the night, we all woke up when him screamed, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I actually, he said, I actually feel a bit bad about this because quickly remembered what horrible human being he was. Before dawn broke, I quietly went up to the roof, removed the boombox, and a couple of months later, I went out to eat. It's my old roommate and his ex-girlfriend who turned out to fucking hate him. I described what I'd done. The ex-girlfriend didn't find this funny because she said that he was molested by a clown when he was a kid. Right. Good story, nice story, yeah. That's so... where... <laughs> so basically these people have moved in with a psychotic and then tipped him over the edge. With guns? Like, why? I mean, what, it's still that question, why are you still living there? I mean, he moved out. What happened to the other three? Mm. So that kind of... Where has that fear of clowns? Where's that clown? Well, obviously his fear of clowns has come from being molested by a clown when he was a child. That's... <laughs> Was fairly it? logical, isn't it? If I was molested by a policeman, then I'd be scared of policemen. If I was molested by a vicar, then I'd be scared of vicars. So what? Uh, so what was his? Uh, so what type of clown would that have been? <laughs> a paedophile clown. <laughs> no, but would it be in the part of the U3? Three? So, I don't know. A Japanese yeah. style? No, nothing. No, it doesn't fall it, into. No, not as far. Well, it wasn't part of my training. Uh. <laughs> well, you did say there's different types of training. It's, mm. Yeah, he's the Irish uh, clown. Um, well, there we go. So that was the world exclusive. But most people who fiddle with kids are like related to them and that, aren't they? It's all it's a big mm. pile of shite. That it's all this stranger stuff. You know, the large majority of people uh, fiddlers are like know the person they're fiddling with. Well, I used to, to get fiddled with by the Spanish gardener. Right. So I mean, what was he called? Antonio. Right. Um. So yeah, and I quite like. It's weird. I thought about this, but I quite like gardening. Right. So I don't know. I should be thanking him 
because yeah, the amount of time, at and least I? you know my you know as kids yeah at least you showed you a bit of attention as kids you know how many times do your parents say just play outside yeah you know so i got to play outside get freaked out by people picking up their shit. <laughs> oh, I swear I had a shit then. Definitely had a shit just then, definitely. I felt it coming out. Something not right here. Must have run off. That's why dogs keep sniffing each other's asses to try and find out where it's gone. I love all animals. Do you like animals, generally? Good, I love animals. You're a bit of a twat if you don't. There's that many different kinds. I mean, there's something for everyone. And we've got Noah to thank for all the animals. He saved all the animals, right? Without Noah, there'll be no animals at all, which would be shit. Especially if you go into the zoo. Uh, 14 quid to watch a tyre swinging about. Oh, I can have a go. Brilliant! That would change it for me. The amount of times I've been to the zoo, they're outside the monkey cage thinking, they're having a better time than I'm having. <laughs> How come I paid 14 quid to get in here and I can't even go on the adventure playground? Because <laughs> I think the monkeys, they've, they've sussed it, haven't they? The thing about monkeys, they knew when to stop, evolutionary-wise, didn't they? They thought, right, we can use our thumbs, that'll do. <laughs> we went, no, no, we want to keep on and get shoes and clothes and television and hate each other. Monkeys have got it sussed. I love the monkey life, I would love to be a monkey. Who doesn't want to spend the afternoon sitting in a tree, scratching your knackers <laughs> and throwing your shit at whoever walks by? <laughs> be brilliant, wouldn't it? Not in my street, apparently. Uh, I don't know why I pay me council tax at all. People find the whole Noah thing quite hard to believe, the fact he's got all these animals he's never heard of before. What people don't realise, back in Bible times, there's only about seven or eight different animals had been invented. And they all lived in a big house around the corner from Noah, so it was really easy to get them involved. <laughs> but what happened, they were at sea for about two and a half years, and all the animals started getting it on <laughs> in between the species. And that's where your new animals come from. So for example, like a wolf fucked a chicken, <laughs> and that's an eagle come out of there. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, I've thought about this. Uh, got a lot of time on me hands. <laughs> and then, like a giraffe fucked a chicken. Ostrich in it. Ostrich there. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, it all makes sense. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. The chicken's getting a bit of a hard time of it. <laughs> Seems like the chicken's just been passed round. 
What people don't realise, chickens are probably the randiest animal on the entire planet, right? In fact, pretty much every animal that you know of today is a result of a randy chicken running around the ark and sticking its cock somewhere where it shouldn't be. And that's why everything tastes like chicken. So I'm single. Yes, I know, it's a shock. Uh, people say it's all right to be single. That's rubbish. Nobody's ever come up to me and went, oh, I'll tell you what, Seymour, you make a lovely single. <laughs> I could see you being by yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs> but I hate it, so I said to me mate, me mate says, you've got to get on the social network. You've got to get on the computer. Who's got a computer? Who's got a computer? Yeah, yeah, they're quite popular. All right, lots of people have them, right? I don't have one. My mate's got, he says, come round mine, we'll get you on the Facebook. Who's on the Facebook? Hey! You should be ashamed of yourselves. It's not real. Did you know it's not real? It freaked me out. I went round my mate's house. I got on the Facebook. I've been on there two minutes. All of a sudden, a little message popped up. Jeremy has thrown a snowball at you. <laughs> has he? <laughs> Who's Jeremy? He's not a very good shot, is he? So I've ignored that, I've let it go. Three minutes later, another message. Maria has sent you a machine gun. She wants you to join her mafia family. I thought, how cool is that? Five minutes and the mafia's getting in touch. And then I figured out it's not real. The mafia aren't even on the internet. Because I've looked. There's no mafia.com. <laughs> All them things that you think you're doing, you're not. All them hugs that you think you're sending, you're not. All them snowballs that you're throwing, all them mafia weapons you're sending, all them stupid little farms that you think you and your mates are working on. You're not. It's not real. It's all exactly the same thing. It's all this. Anyway, my mate says, you've got to get the Facebook, right? So I thought, all right, I'll go for it. So we're, we're, we're in back around my house, right? But like I said, I don't have a computer. So what I've done, at the front of my house, I've got like a bay window there. I just stand there all day. And down this side of the window, I've put up a list of all my hobbies, interests, <laughs> my favourite film, Deliverance. And, uh, <laughs> and down this side of the window, I've put loads of photographs of my mates being dicks. I just stand there all day waiting for people to walk past and try and entice them in to be friends with me. <laughs> I've not much interest. Uh, a couple of my mates have been round and taking their photographs down. Ha ha ha. Had a bit of interest from the police. But like I said to them, you can't wear your clothes all the time, can you? That's dirty. <laughs> it's not my fault I live across from a school. 
Who was at the time? I hate people who do that. Who was at the time? Of course it's the time you're looking at your watch. You don't mean it's at the time, you mean you're bored of my company and you want us to go. Who was at the time? You might as well just go, oh, piss off! <laughs> So talking from clowning, and you, you're an actual proper thespian. You're an actor. <laughs> I've done acting, yeah. I no, but like, are you, I've read this about you. Like, your national theatre company. No, natural theatre company. That's, that's that's what that should say. Natural, not the natural national. theatre company. <laughs> is a street theatre company. So it's not I, that you weren't at the national. I wasn't at the national, no. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy mistake to make, isn't it? Well, but it's, uh, I think that's the intention. I think the, it's supposed to be a pun on the national theatre company, but it's the natural theatre. Fuck company. it. So you the... are the best street theatre company in the world. So there you go. So, so like you must have been quite well. Clearly, to get to the national or the natural, you have to be quite good. So, like, you obviously studied. You have to be quite good. I mean, to get to that level, no. I didn't study. I just always wanted to be. I mean, I studied in in terms of, uh, um, I've always acted and performed, but I just never. I never. Um, I was never in any doubt over what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wanted to be a performer from I, I can't even remember but I, my mum's got an old school report from my first year at school um, first year at junior school I think and uh, it says Seymour likes acting is like the comment at the bottom so from that age I knew I w- wanted to perform and I remember even in my first year of junior school uh, which is, how old is that? I don't know, about seven or eight or something like that. They used to send me to the infant school next door to tell stories to the infants. I used to make up these stories about a superhero worm called Superworm. And I can't remember much about the stories, but I remember I used to make up these Superworm stories and then go and tell them to the uh, infant school kids. So I knew... Uh, from my earliest, you know, memories that I wanted to perform and that was all I ever wanted to do and all the way through school I wanted to act so I was always involved in uh, drama groups at school and I did drama O-level and A-level and failed them both. Um, but I always wanted to act, I always knew I wanted to act. I was in the, I was in the National Youth Theatre briefly um, which was not fun. the National Theatre. No, the national, the National Youth Theatre. Christ. Okay, uh, that's maybe where I got it I wrong. I saw Richard Breyer's penis when I was in the National Youth Theatre. What from Crystal Maze? Getting in. Richard Breyer is not Richard O'Brien. Oh right. <laughs> from from uh, the Good Life. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people seeing Richard O'Brien's penis. No, why? You know. Why is that? Why did I see his penis? Is because he... we went to a. I was there for, I was in London for a month doing a National Youth Theatre project with like, kids from all over. And it was great fun. And we got to go and see a play that the National Youth Theatre were putting on this other group, which was a really shit play. It was a musical version of Macbeth called Night Shriek. And it was terrible. Uh, one of the lines, I tell you one of the 
rhyming couplets in it. Um, how can you let him sit there? He's become a mini Hitler. Good, isn't it? <laughs> that was one of the lines uh, in the, one of the songs. But um, I think Richard Pryor's daughter was in it because she was in the nat- National Youth Theatre as well. And I went to the toilet in the interval. And This is I, where the clown creepy music the, starts. I was at the urinal Ooh. and Richard Bryars came and stood at the urinal next to mine. Um, and I had a piss and I had a quick look at his cock. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done if, if, if it had been if it, if it had just been a bloke, just some random bloke. Then obviously I wouldn't have had a look at his cock. But it's Richard Bryce, isn't it? You've got it. Can have a quick look. Well, I mean, with just s- in case, because you have a look, and I had a look, and he had a fairly normal penis. But just in case, he might have a fucking monster dick or something like that. Right. And then you can say to people, "Oh, Richard Bryce, he's fucking boo." Donkey, donkey. It's one of those things when you where you kind of say that about just some random bloke. You just kind of saw a fellow with a big penis. You're going right, you know Richard Bryars. He's got a massive penis. People aren't thinking why have you seen Richard Bryars' penis? They're just thinking, right, oh, that's interesting. Right, right, right. Whereas you began, I know this guy with a massive penis. Well, I don't know. I don't know him. I just saw him in a toilet. (laughs) It doesn't work, does it? You've got to. Nah. That's but, true. Yeah. It is kind of that is even because <laughs> I thought you were going to go down, you know, on the Richard Bryant. Oh, right, yeah, no. the down the, the that route of then. No, I know. wasn't dressed as a clown at any exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it is you. You you do hit on something where it's so true. You 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 kind of well, in the, you, I've done the same thing. I've had a look at someone's celebrity. Yeah, it's like oh okay because then you, you watch them. Know, and you're like you? oh, okay, yeah. you know. I own celebrities, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's have the you... world these days, isn't it? You're my property celebrity. I, if I want to look at your penis, I will. Yeah, damn fucking yeah. right. <laughs> or I'll find it on like a porn site. Yeah. What's um? Have you? Now I've done a lot of research, and I think I you know have these questions and think about it, and hopefully they're kind of you know try and BBC Four esque, and you know some. But my next question to Seymour Mace: Have you seen other? <laughs> Penises from celebrities. Um, and uh, no, not that I can think of. Uh, <laughs> no, Richard Bryce is the only one I think I've seen. I saw a load of penises once. Um, <laughs> I was doing a pilot. <laughs> we filming a pilot for. Uh, it was called Russell Brand's Weird World or something like that, and it was. Years ago, it was just after he started to, you know, become popular. And it was a Channel 4 pilot they were filming. It was kind of a game show, and he was hosting it. And then they had he had two team captains and then a guest. And I was one of the regular captains, although obviously it was a pilot, so it wasn't regular. And uh, <laughs> I was teamed up with Andrew, what's his name? You know, the ex-tennis player who now... Oh, commentator. Yeah, yeah. Who's the BBC? Andrew was, Castle. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. So it was me and him versus Rhys Thomas. Rhys Thomas, who was in the Far Show. Yeah, and uh, oh, who else was on Rhys Thomas's? I can't remember, but it was like one of the Nolans or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> um, one of the rounds. It was it was a terrible show. One of the rounds was. Um, it was something about 
who's got the biggest penis from which country and then I had like a lineup of blokes on stage oh from different God. countries with their penises out and I got up from my seat and went over to like me- and measured the bloke's penis with my finger and thumb right to and I nearly touched it I got close to it but it was all for the sake of entertainment yeah <laughs> <laughs> And funnily enough, nobody's penis was that big because I think they were all a bit nervous. Yeah. I mean, poor Quite a lot of acorns. See there, who was the biggest country? Oh, I can't remember that much. I've gotten, I did, hasn't like... These are the facts that you yeah, need, no, that I, listeners I, around the world need to know. No idea. No idea. Um, do you just want to make one up? No. And potentially be xenophobic. Well, you can't be, because if you start saying China, then that's all right. Uh, England. England, there you go. Yeah, well, uh, there you go. So it's England, folks. Specifically the northeast. East. <laughs> <laughs> but aren't you from... Uh, well, via Yorkshire. There South you Africa, go. Midlands. They, that's all right. quite specific. Very specific. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that sounds like an awful, awful show. Um, but uh, you've... But talking of other shows, very nice link to quickly rescues it, looking at his notes... Is this true? You because you were in ideal like with mm. Johnny Vegas. Did you see Johnny Vegas's penis? No, I, I, no, nothing. No, I would have said that when you said, uh, "Have you seen any other celebrity penises?" Yeah, I would have said I've seen Johnny Vegas' penis, but I haven't. Uh, it's a uh, it's an exclusive. I've imagined it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as the bank tra- as the bank transfer comes in. Oh yeah. So you did uh, Ideal, which on BBC Three was kind of like a no- a sitcom. In the explain what Ideal was for the people around the world. It was uh, set in Manchester. It was a sitcom about a drug dealer, a dope dealer played by Johnny called Moz. Um, and it was basically set mostly in his flat, and it was about the various people who came round to buy weed off him and i was one of those people because you were in it for a fair few years weren't you i was in six series that's all right I went for seven series and i was in six that was good and then they killed me off and then it only got one more series after that wonder why <laughs> ha 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 <laughs> uh but like i heard a story that you turned because i've seen it a, a bit uh, you know, episodes in here, there, and everywhere. And it is kind of like a thing a lot of people can identify because it was really popular. You know, it was, mm. it was a popular show. Don't know. <laughs> well, I'm Can't telling remember. you it's a popular okay, show. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, and uh, it was very strange and kind of weird. You know, the characters were proper mental and weird. Yeah. Uh, but what, like, dealing with, like, with Johnny Vegas, who is part of that world of where his act you know played the drunken guy on stage mm. and he was just fucking getting pandemonium uh did that kind of fit into your clowning like your clowning skills must have helped you with that whole weird and wonderful world that was set in in the ideal uh well it does a bit the, just the physicality of some of the things you have to do my character's a bit of an idiot so some sometimes you just have to do idiot stuff and i suppose that whole physicality helps um when you have to fall backwards out of a window and things like that. Oh, okay. But it's really, it's a, it's in something like idea. I think the clowning comes out more in kind of Edinburgh shows and stand-up and stuff like that. Stuff that where it's just me fucking about. And then you get that element of clowning that just naturally comes through because that's kind of what your background is in, in physical theatre or 
Um, so you tend to kind of occupy the space in a different way as someone who kind of just stands there and you and you know is fairly low key and just kind of says what they what they've got to say. Um, because the interesting thing about watching you as a comic is that you talk about low key. You you are quite your you are quite low key in your delivery yeah. and your voice. You know, you you do talk at this level. Yeah. You know, and I've seen with like big shows, it's like literally at this level. But the it's an offshoot where you're actually think about you are quite physical Mm. without being like so crazy slapstick physical. Uh, Do you ever watch comics and just like on stage, like we all do, and just go, I would clown up at this point? Or do you get frustrated at comics that just stand there? No, I don't really watch uh, comedy very much. I don't like it. I don't like it much. Why? Uh, what is it? Are you just bored I of it? Just, yeah, I've just, you know, it's, um, I think you see people a couple of times and then you kind of got a, a, an idea of what they do and I can appreciate that somebody's good at what they do, but it's comedies, you know, it's, it's whatever is your cup of tea and that's, that's not really my cup of tea, what they do. So even though I can appreciate it's good, right? I'm not particularly into watching it over Fair and over enough. again. There's a few comedians that I'll always watch if I'm on with them because they make me laugh. Who's that? But, uh, like people like Gavin Webster. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I'd never. I would never think of you know what somebody else should be doing in their act. I'm too busy thinking about what I'm going to do in my act. Fair enough. And I think it's it's um, that's a good thing about stand up. There's no right way or wrong way to do it. As long as you're funny, then mm. that's that. Then you're doing it right. Do you feel? Um, but it, 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 it's kind of about it, it. It says something about your background, doesn't it? I come from a, a theatrical background. I've always performed all through school. My first job when I left school was performing, doing street theatre. I did that for ten years. Then I moved into stand up. So you can see my stand up that I've, I've come. That that's my background. Um, where you know if you if you get a stand up who's maybe worked in a conventional job, maybe worked in an office or a bank or something like that, and then gets to a point in their life in their twenties or whatever where they think, right, I'm gonna have a go at stand up, and then get into stand up. So they so for them, stand up is the the only experience they've ever had of getting a performance right, and yeah. in front of people. So um, obviously they're going to be much more. Uh, much less theatrical about it and much more just matter of fact about it. I'm just a guy or, or, or a girl standing here just saying stuff to people in a microphone because um, that that's that's what it is. That's, that's a great point. Do. Uh, so uh, I think you see a lot of them when you're a lot of stand-ups who you see who are more, maybe more physical and um, theatrical kind of look and maybe have that a background more in the arts than, than a stand-up who's maybe more kind of um, just, just you know, stands there with a one guy, one microphone, and tells it like it is. That's a great point. Uh, that's a extremely great point. Um, did you, when you got into stand up, because you had that years of background, like, was it easier stand up? I mean, like everything is, it's a different skill, and it's, it's got its own disciplines, etc., and techniques. It's easy in terms of it wasn't um, ner- too nerve wracking. I always get nervous before I go on, like a few minutes before, but not, 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 you know, not overly nervous. Just the kind of natural, kind of little tension yeah. before you go on. But um, I never had a problem with getting on stage and standing in front of people because I'd done that for years doing street theatre and 
there's not many things that are more um, extreme than stand-up in terms of, you know, just you and an audience, but street theatre, uh, you could kind of argue that it is because it's you and an audience for the audience come up and punch you in the face if they want to. There's no, there's no kind of um, separation between you and the audience, so it's just you and them. So uh, if anything's going to prepare you for stand-up, then street theatre will. So that when you then get up on stage in front of an audience, because you've got that kind of barrier between you and them, then it's even easier. Yeah. Um, and I've never had a problem with people looking at me. I could go and stand on stage for 20 minutes and not say anything, and I wouldn't care. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be mortified or anything like that. It'd be really dull <laughs> to watch, um, but I, I wouldn't be bothered. Obviously, I, you know, I go on, I try and make people laugh, and I want people to laugh. Uh, but if they don't, I'm not going to change the kind of comedian I am to try and make them laugh. It's, because you know, I've seen that, like, I know that at gigs, that that really resonates with me because you are, one of one thing I've admired about you is you, you really don't give a fuck what they think. Mm. I mean, obviously you, you can, you turn up and, you know, you're a professional. Yeah. But like being there, and I've never seen you not do well, but I, I could see that how you just like, this is just a... A fuck about and this is just a laugh and well it is isn't it i mean especially if your job is to point out how ridiculous life is then you can't start taking yourself too seriously because then you look like an arsehole and it is just it, it is just a it's joke a it? it's it's just like life life's ridiculous and you can you can look at any aspect of life and and see how ridiculous it is you know from the fact that we all walk around wearing clothes we all live in bloody big concrete boxes and lines and things like that life's ridiculous society's ridiculous people are ridiculous and so, so you're just laughing at it all and it it doesn't matter if people want to laugh along with you if they don't want to laugh along yeah with you. obviously it's better if they do but if they all sit there and look at me like they want to kill me it doesn't make the world any less ridiculous no. I mean, it's still, it's still. I know what you mean, because and, and and when you've been doing it a while, mm. you 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 build up confidence. I've been doing this a long time, and most of the time it works. Most of the yeah. time, the audience get what I'm saying and laugh, and sometimes they don't, and that's no reflection on them. Like I said, it's just some things are your cup of tea, and sometimes they're not. Right. Um, but when it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that I'm not funny. It just means that it hasn't worked that night. Last night, because it's still in my system, like I had a, did like a new material night and I was right at the end and it was one of those long nights and anyway, half the audience had left like a, like a decent club. Mm. It was just one of those, you know, Wednesday people leave and it was, I went on and first few jokes weren't really landing because they should and it was like, okay. And then suddenly they all kind of very t quickly turned. Yeah. And this one guy got furious with me. He's like, say something funny, bruv. And I was like smiling, going, yeah, "It's comedy. What? You, it's, what's what's wrong?" Like, and he got annoyed, mm. and he stormed out, and he's like, "Fuck you!" And and like half the audience were like, "Oh, come on, mate, hurry up!" And it was really weird. It's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, you got to call that, haven't you? You got to say, "Look, fucking chill out," and it. Yeah, and I was make a few people laugh it's, by uh, going, "This is ridiculous." It doesn't matter, does it? And and people like that. 
I don't know what it is, and you don't get it in any other art form. You wouldn't dream of doing that in a theatre. No, you no, no. Play, or if you go and say, if you don't like it, you just leave. You, you don't or feel that you've got the right to fucking say anything about it. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and if somebody doesn't like my comedy, that's fine. And if you want to leave, that's fine too. I'd rather you'd left than sit there having a bad time. Uh. But uh, don't start shouting about it because all you're doing is revealing that you, it's just self-conscious, isn't it? It's because people... Um, people don't get it and they see other people getting it and they're like, well, what's this? Uh, or because you're just not to their taste, they take it personally and because they paid money, it? they feel that they've got the right weird. to slag you off. And I say to people, you know, if I've maybe had a bad gig, I say, look, you know, please don't look at me like you want to kill me because I'm just a bloke trying to do his job and I did come out with the intention of making you laugh. The fact that you haven't laughed isn't willful. It's not like something I planned. Yeah. So get over yourself in it. Fucking move on. Doesn't matter. You know, I came. That was I. That was my first kid coming back from two weeks in Scandinavia, which is they because it's quite new. I find this outside of you. I keep reminding myself every time I gig outside the UK, the the audience are don't. There's none of that culture. That X. I think also it's part of that X Factor culture boo mm. boo and it's you know very gong show style yeah, yeah. even it came from America in the like 80s 70s that first show. and then we have a few gong shows here and it's like the audience get involved in Scandinavia for example packed out shows they were lovely they'd yeah. give you rounds of applause mm. they'd, you, for setups. and like, I didn't know that was brilliant apparently <laughs> that's brilliant I mean it was just so refreshing and it's like fuck this is what gigs should be like now of yeah, course yeah. there's a great gigs in the uk taking anyone from anything away from people there's you know but it is that culture i think now it's like no i should i have the right to tell someone they're a cunt <laughs> or something when in, mm. in british town when you when you says right it's just it's just pissing around clowning yeah essentially i've said to people in the past i said well i don't stand for it i don't play gigs theater i don't play gigs that i consider to be like bear pits no it's and, pointless um, and I don't, I don't think that I should have to work in an aggressive environment. I don't no. think anybody should. So no. why should I? Yeah, I'm there to entertain you. If you don't like it, that's fine. But don't have a go at me, or I'll tell you fuck off. <laughs> um, you know, it's, who do you think you are? Like, yeah, you're just you're just a bloke, the same as me. You've got no right to fucking say anything to me. Fuck off. Get out. Uh, I paid ten quid. Well, I couldn't give a shit. Yeah, you paid it to me. <laughs> and yeah and in some clubs you're not going to get paid for the next six months anyway I was going. <laughs> yeah um, no, i don't work at that club either now i'm talking about being a, a theespian a thespian yeah. is this true that you turn up to the ideal audition and you're stoned uh, yeah i was probably shouldn't say that because you know <laughs> they'll uh i didn't tell them at the time but, yeah, you know, but you got the gig. It's in the past, I suppose, isn't it? I d yeah, I was. It was a, uh, <laughs> That's great, though. It was 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Talk the about audition. not giving a fuck. It's great. Well, it was, uh, the audition was 11 o'clock in the morning, and um, I'd been doing stand-up for about three years. I'd just moved to Manchester. It was about 2003 or four, something like that. Um, and yeah, I just got stoned before I went to the audition because I was, used to get stoned all the time back then and went to the audition. I thought, I, I thought I'd done terribly um, and then went home again and then I was waiting for a call to tell me whether or not I'd got a recall for a second audition. And then I got this phone call and they said, oh, you don't need a recall, you got the part. The director said, you're perfect. So 
That was great. Fucking champion. So now I went to uh, the table read. You have a table read where all the cast get round and read the read through all the episodes round a table so you kind of get to know each other and that. And then after that, you meet the costume um, people, costume and makeup people. Mm. So everybody's in line kind of meeting the costume and makeup people. And as everybody comes to the front, they line the the costume makeup guys are going right well right we'll have to cut your hair we'll have to you know dress you like this or we'll rough you up a bit or whatever and uh then it got to me and they went oh right uh no you look fine just turn up like that, so <laughs> that... i did have a bit of costume i did have costume but it was you know it well, was like very a pair much, of socks is like it's very much my own style it's very much a uh, uh, role i'd been practicing for for quite a few years so did you roll up in your own clothes um, no, obviously when they filmed it and that, I had costume because, you know, that's right. just what you do. But it was, I did uh, nick, uh, when I say nick, they gave me that. I did <laughs> nick a few bits of costume when I left because I would, the kind of stuff I would wear anyway. Right, and what was that? What were those pieces? I can't remember. I nicked a jacket. That's all right. All right, but, uh, jacket. But then I gave that away to some um, kid at some ideal, like, convention thing, fan thing, day, you know. right. And there was this kid there who was a massive into it, and uh, so I gave him that jacket. You don't sound upset or anything. No, it's sod it, innit? It doesn't matter. Hey, you've seen that guy's old cock, so, so it's just material stuff, innit? It doesn't mean anything. It's better to get rid of stuff than keep it. That's true. Um, now I wanna. So you you've done you did that, and then you. Talking about stand-up as well. It was quite interesting after seeing your shows, Niche as Fuck, which was just fucking madness, which I love. It was just like, at one point, the bubbles and the game show, the puppeteers, because you really, at that show, didn't give a fuck. And I love it. You just, you went past that. I don't care. And I'm learning to get to that. Like mm. last night, I stood there in front of, you know, where they're heckling me and some people are laughing and there's weird tension, people leaving. It's not really my fault, really. I haven't said anything yet. And I said, oh, this reminds me of having dinner yeah. with my parents. You know, the awkwardness. and mm. <clears throat> But it's like you you were doing the puppet thing and you kept on going for five minutes, like a few minutes without a laugh. But it feels like you were doing it for your own amusement. It was completely for you. Well, I know it's funny. And you've <laughs> and got to I think that you've got to have uh, confidence in what's funny. And I'm, I know it's it's a difficult thing, especially being British and you've got that whole self-deprecation thing built into your character. Um, whereas, you know, we slag off Americans, but I think it's really good the way that Americans are really positive about themselves and their own achievements and things like that. And we don't do that in this country, but uh, to be a good comedian, you have to accept on some level that you're funny and not overanalyze that. And, and therefore, if I'm funny, then logically things that I do should be funny and I should I don't need to think about it too much just do the things and people will, will laugh um and Edinburgh's even Edinburgh show is an even better opportunity to do to take chances because on a stand-up show I suppose at least you can argue that the people haven't paid to see you they've paid to see three stand-up comedians so yeah they might like you they might not but uh, in Edinburgh festival they've come to see you you know, whether or not they've heard of you, they know that they're going to see you do a show. That's, you know, it advertises you. Um, so you can take even more chance. You can be even more yourself. 
um, because that's what people want. I saw you. Well, the first I think it was the first time I saw you live. So uh, XS Balak in Manchester. Mm. <clears throat> you know, it was like a, it's a big club. Lovely gig. Love, like lovely, gorgeous gig. You know, one of those just that's what gigs should be like. It remind you know reminds me of the gigs in like when I talk about going to Scandinavia. You go, oh, this is what. And I saw you, and I ju- I remember I think I just met you, and you came off, and I was just like, gave you a half a hug and called you a cunt, because. Huh. <laughs> Because, I and I, I, I said it's being like giving a backhand a compliment in some because you did the you did which is now a part of your I suppose staple is uh, Glad, uh, Gladys night Gladys night and the pips mm. routine yeah and you did that and you absolutely tore the roof down and I was like gobsmacked going that's f- just great. That was just great. And talking mm. about like, no, this is, a, I'm doing this for the next few minutes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you said, oh, it's the first time I've done it, Luke. <laughs> and I was like, you che- you closed it, you cheeky bastard. That's what's like, you can't, like, that's a- So can you, and you've done it on like TV as well. You're on, uh, you did it on One Night Stand, didn't you? Yeah, but did they, didn't, they didn't show it. They didn't put it in the program. Oh, no. But I did do it at the gig. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So explain what, like, if you can, like, what it is because it's quite theatrical it's not straight stand up well, it's just me pretending to be uh, one of the pips in Glass Night and the Pips <laughs> and so I stand slightly at the side and you know back a bit and use a microphone and then just play the track and I just mime along to the bits the backing singer bits and then dance I'm a good dancer and then have a bit of chat with the other backing singer while Gladys Knight's singing away Um and that's an example of like what I was saying before about you've got to, you don't you don't overanalyze what you do, you don't second guess yourself because something like that, like if you you obviously saw it the first time you ever did it, and something like that, you can only you only know if it's any good when you do it in front of an audience. So yeah. that's what you've got to do. You've got to if I'd sat in the house and tried to think why why is that funny? Why will that work? I probably wouldn't have been able to think of why, and I might have talk myself out of doing it because I didn't know why it was funny. But and it's funny because I'm funny. That's the only thing I need to know is that I'm doing it so it's probably funny because I'm a funny bloke. Um, and that's a confidence thing. It's just about having confidence in being funny. So I can do something like that and I know that it's funny and I don't need to know why it's funny. I just know that it is. And then when you do it, and and it works that's really good to know and obviously it's a positive um endorsement of the fact that you are funny because there you go and it is funny and it works it's great 99 percent of the time it works really well and then when it doesn't doesn't matter it's talking of the dave one night standing that was like one of the first proper stand-up sets you know being mainstream sets you did on tv yeah or have that you know what i mean well mm. i'm not the only put one you down. right but like so that was a few years ago and it's quite interesting because you i watched that and i mean ironic I, I was analyzing it and you say like in comedy don't analyze just do it just be yeah, it yeah. but i suppose i was looking at you um and it was like your pace was much quicker Right. Uh, and it was great. I mean, you came mm. on with a more, like, energised. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering why, 
do you normally because you because do you normally do that sometimes or is it just a gig or was it just like it depends on where you are and what the audience is like and if you're doing a gig like that which is a massive place with a lot of people i think you kind of have to raise your energy levels up right just to to suit the occasion um I did a gig earlier this year with Johnny in Benidorm at the Benidorm Palace, which is a similar thing with a massive crowd of people, a massive stage. And um, for someone like me who likes physical comedy, having a massive stage to run around on is really exciting. I really love that. So it's just, I just, I have more fun. Whereas some stand-up stages are very small, so I kind of have to keep myself Reduce it. internalized a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's just uh, different ways for different occasions, and sometimes if you see an audience are a little bit, um, maybe they're a bit hot, a bit tired, they're struggling a little bit, then maybe you have to raise your game again to get across them. Or if an audience are a bit rowdy, there's a bit of chat going on or whatever, you have to kind of shout at them to get their attention. Mm. Or, you know, I'm, uh, but the gigs I enjoy the most are the ones where the audience are really into comedy and are listening to what you have to say and then you can take your time and you can pause and you can use silences as well as, you know, yeah, noise. It is nice, those gigs. Uh, and, but you've... Um, you talking on those, what you're saying, because you've run your own comedy night at the stand and you've, you know, haven't you? I used, what am I, to have, I used to have a monthly show at Stand That's in right. Newcastle. Yeah, um, and it was and it based wasn't kind of conventional. It no, was, it was a, it was just a show with me and a few mates doing stupid games and um, just daft things, uh, like a bit like my solo show, but with a few other people. I mean, because in Newcastle now, I feel that the scene there started the more alternative clubs. Yeah, you know that it's going back to the like the mad. There's like a few clubs like. Burning Duck and Silly Billies, if they're still open or... Yeah, yeah, Silly Billies, Burning Duck. I don't know if Silly Billies is still... I think it is, but maybe not in the same venue. But, like, it's starting to... Because the but, mainstream um, is starting to be... People getting bored of the wheel. Well, I think it's a natural thing, isn't it? Like, the the, the rise of alternative comedy in the 80s was a reaction against um, mainstream comedy, which people were getting tired with. Um, and then alternative comedy since the 80s is now is it has become the mainstream so you know all the big tv comedians they're the mainstream now um and and people get sick of that because that's all they ever see on tv so that's fair enough so then there's there's a a, a taste for a new alternative and that's what clubs like silly billies and bernard duck and kind of what the kind of stuff that i love to do is uh, is is the new alternative it's it's just people dicking about and being stupid um and there's no you great. don't need a theme you don't need a point of view you know well, no, point just, of view you just don't you don't you don't want to be catalogued or and there's a lot of gigs like silly billies and the burning duck up north and i'm sure there's plenty down south as well where they encourage you and they want you to turn up without anything prepared yeah. just turn up and just talk shite at people and it's hard to not prepare anything <laughs> it's a really good thing to do it's a really good thing to try and do because it gives you confidence in the fact that you're funny uh, because if you can go on with nothing prepared and be funny, then with your acts or with your style, I mean, with the mainstream clubs, because I feel that a lot of the UK clubs are very mainstream now. After the crash, everyone's got all suited, booted, you know, to make money. So the mm. bookers are like, look, if it just storms, 
that's what it works very commercialized and i get why they're doing that but that you know if i agree or disagree that's a different story but i is it hard for you because you it's it's not the mainstream quote unquote you know what i mean um is it hard like to to get into these clubs have you seen a change because you've been around for a long time so you you were before the crash and now we're all after there's a lot of clubs that i don't play you know either because i've fallen out with the people who book them or just because i don't like the ethos of the club so i would never play them um so i don't work as much as a lot of other comedians but i'm a single bloke who lives alone so i don't have a massively expensive lifestyle um so i don't make tons of money but then i don't do many gigs that i don't like but then again if you like if you were married with kids I'd and you're earning more i wouldn't need to do stand-up comedy right no but like <laughs> you, you i think you'd still be the return would be, yeah. still be the same because the money coming in let's see the more gigs yeah yeah then you'd be going because mm. you're still spending on the little brats um before we wrap because uh yes but i've um what do you so, with this social hand grenade podcast, mm. I did a faux pas this year with you when you turned up, and and I um yes, so that was my fuck up. Um, what can I ask you? And I told about the clown kind of thing he did. What was your social <laughs> social hand grenade moment? I don't know. It's tough to think. I think I've been. Stone for too much of my life. So, <laughs> I have a terrible memory for things that I've done. Um, I don't know. Well, so some sometimes been awkward. I don't know, I'm awkward all the time with women. Yeah, but uh, that's everyone's story. <laughs> you know, everyone goes, Jesus wept. Um, yeah. I, can't, I generally can't remember. But then again, if you're awkward, awkward all the time. Oh, but, but I am awkward. I'd feel awkward going to shops. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just a, it's a symptom of depression, depression, anxiety. Anxiety is a, a kicker as well because you're going to a shop. Like I'm going to a shop in uh, like uh, Specsavers in Newcastle. I'm be thinking I'm going to look for some glasses. But then as soon as you walk in, and not now, not these, it was a few years ago, I would just think everybody was looking at me and thinking, who's that scruffy tramp? bastard and they're like um, oh he's in ideal but uh, but they're not they're just you know yeah nobody's looking at you they're no one's looking at you i think that's shit you just look like a normal bloke yeah um so i don't know i just so i tend to avoid confrontational kind of situations and that um so nothing awkward ever happens i was a bit awkward i suppose in portugal when i got ripped off by a um bloke selling hash and then saw him again two days later, <laughs> and uh, I had a go at him. Oh, it was more for him though, really. He was really apologetic. Uh, he's ripped me off, sort of, trying to sell me some hash, but then just saw me a bit of rubber, black <laughs> rubber. So I had to chuck it away. Black rubber. And I was, I saw him a couple of days later, and I went, "Oh, you mate, what's this?" And you ripped me off and that, and he was all like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And he said, "I didn't realise you were working here." He said, "I thought you were just on holiday." And I said, "No, I'm here for five months." He went, <laughs> I'm really sorry. And he said, come with us now. I'll take you to get some decent weed. Right. I went, all right. And then on the way, he went, hang on, I'll just rip these Germans off. And he went and ripped a couple of German students off, sold them some dodgy tack, which I didn't mind. I was just, you know, I was in on the joke then. <laughs> <laughs> I say a joke. 
And I, he was a taxi driver, and I got in his taxi, and he drove out in the middle of, like, right on the outskirts of Lisbon to this shantytown type place right. with all these guys with dogs hanging around in white vests. Fucking like, hell. Dogs weren't in vests, but the guys were. <laughs> and um, he went and bought a load of weed for me and then drove me back to the hotel, and I got stoned. <laughs> it was all good. And, uh, <laughs> went back a, a second time, and I had to go and meet the guys in the white vest because they thought I might have been an undercover policeman. So that no. Was, that was, uh, How did they... So what? How did that? Well, I was waiting. He took me there a second time, and he said, "Wait here." And I was waiting at like the entrance to the the uh, estate where they all lived. There's right. loads of flats and that. And then he came back and he said, "You've got to come and buy the stuff because they think you might be a copper." So I had to go back with him and buy the stuff, and then they wouldn't let me go back out that way. I had to walk through the like housing estate out Jesus. the other side um, with this weed. But uh, it was always all right. And, you know, looking back, I, you think, well, I could have died loads of times just getting it. Yeah. But then I was, I think it's kind of karma. I think it's because I was only after a bit of weed. Yeah, they realised. Oh, he's it was fine. all right, you know. But that's why I like the thing. But there you go. Seymour Mace, before my computer runs out of battery, um, at Seymour Mace on Twitter, Facebook, SeymourMace.co.uk. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, no worries. Podcast. It's great. Uh, yeah. Genuinely, such a fan. And you're on, are you anything to plug? So you've probably got one minute. No, you know, just come and see me if you like me. Like, you know, I check out local press for details. Yeah. If you like me that much, fucking bother your ass to find out where I'm on, innit? I don't know. I, <laughs> I saw your show niche as fuck earlier this year and it's just fucking great yeah. just Matt it's, it really wasn't that conventional and I could really see now you're talking about the clowning how much I could see it was part of the show in the background the technique yeah. but it was just brilliant uh, being a big fan thanks Seymour uh, last words nah But he sure found out the hard way that 